0: Week two of I Hath Not Seen, a sermon series that we're doing, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, so if you have your Bibles, turn there, to see one must have vision, to see one must have vision. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, but that is, as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, nor hath it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Apostle was writing that Apostle Paul, verse 10, he says, but God. So what we just read has just shifted gears and changed. So if you say, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, but then the next verse says, but God, that's saying there's some change getting ready to happen, right? That Something else is different is going on. That we don't need to say that I cannot see anymore, or ears can't hear, or man's heart cannot accept the things of God or what God's prepared for them. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So we see here that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and telling them that there was a time or a season where that man could not see or hear or their heart could not accept the perfect things that God has prepared. And to put this in perspective, we talked about last week the Apostle Paul and how he was once named Saul, and how that he was uh, persecuting the church, and how he actually uh, stood at the uh, people's feet as Stephen was stoned. And Stephen was a leader in the early church, and Acts chapter uh, 7 and 8 leads into that, and how that uh, Saul was there, and as Stephen was being stoned, that Saul stood, and they put their coats, uh, and he held them while they stoned this Christian. So can you imagine being a part of a religion that would take people but that didn't believe like you, and if somebody was in here this morning that doesn't believe exactly like me, that we would take him outside, get him down on his knees, pick up big rocks, and throw them until he's dead. So it's a a wild way to think, right? And the... The Jewish custom was that, that they believed that way, that they had got so ingrained and so indoctrinated with their way was the only way and every other way was wrong that they was willing to kill people that didn't believe like them. How sad, right? But Saul would stand there and hold their coats while they did this. So he was a person that really despised people that didn't believe like him. And his heart was so hardened And his vision to be able to see God or to be able to, his hearing to be able to hear God was so uh, indoctrinated he couldn't even open up for it. So the person writing this scripture that we're reading about and talking about and got a sermon series going on that wrote these verses that we read, he's the guy that's saying, yes, there was a time I couldn't see. Yes, there was a time I couldn't hear. And yes, there was a time that my heart was so hard that I wouldn't accept the things of God. But God, has that happened for you? Have we become to a point in our life where that our way is the only way or our belief is the only belief, or our doctrine is the only doctrine and nobody else is allowed to believe anything different and nobody else is having allowed to have a different opinion? I love Bethesda that we can come in here and assemble together and not believe exactly on every individual topic. We can agree together and just come here and love God and love people and keep it that simple that we can have differences of people and differences of opinion and sit in the same room and worship God. Don't you love that? That's not common. That's not normal. We need to thank God that we're in a congregation that can do that. That doesn't say it's my way or the highway. But we'll open our hearts and open our eyes and open our ears to allow God to move in people's life the way He wishes. Because God is bigger than any one of us. Amen? God is bigger than all of us combined. And His ways are higher than our ways, Scripture says, and His uh, thoughts are beyond our thoughts. So Paul... Saul becomes Paul. We talked about that last week. How the, he's he's there for this murder, and, and then he goes to the to the high priest and asks for the right to go and persecute more people. I've I've already killed enough people in Jerusalem. And I've already imprisoned enough people in Jerusalem. I'm tired of it. I don't have enough. Right? I my, I haven't proven my point yet, so I need more. So he tells the high priest, "Let me go to this city called Damascus, because I hear there's Christians over there." Because as persecution that was happening in Jerusalem, actually Christians started leaving town leaving their homes and going to other cities and living because they were getting killed. Would you trust God that much to leave your home, to leave your hometown, to leave our county, to have to take off and go somewhere else and live somewhere else because people are persecuting us so much here? Imagine that. These people were leaving. So Paul, Saul says, I'm going to go get them. I'm going to go chase them down wherever they're going. They're not going to outrun me because I'm going to go do God's work and I'm going to see them killed because they're believing in Jesus. And he takes off on this road and he takes his convoy with him and he's traveling along. It says in, in Acts chapter 8 as he's going along that Jesus appears to him. We talked about last week, right, that a great light shone down and he says, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? So Saul gets this revelation That God is bigger than him. That God is bigger than his religion. That God is bigger than his thought process. So as he's writing this verse, think about that. This is years later. He's writing back to a church that he planted. And he's writing these words down. Can you imagine living through the experience of what I've just described? And writing these words back to a church later and thinking, wow, that was me. I don't know what your past is. I don't know what your history is. I don't know who you've laughed and made fun of and persecuted as a, that used to be a Christian maybe before you become a Christian. There's people in this county that I ridiculed for being a Christian. I worked at the shoe factory one time and I literally made fun and laughed at and scorned and mocked a lady that was trying to live a Christian life. Have you ever done that? I did. I did. I knew better. I grew up in church. But I was still doing that. But God. But God revealed to me himself the way he did to Paul. The Apostle Paul. Do you have that moment that you can look back to and say man I used my heart used to be hard. My heart used to be hard and, and my eyes, I n- used to not be able to see God in everything. And used to, my ears didn't hear God's voice. And there was a time in my life and a season of my life where I wasn't experiencing him. But now I can think, but God showed up and he allowed his spirit to come in. And now I can see him moving in ways and I can hear him talking in my life. And I can, my heart is so pliable now that he made this hard heart that used to hate people and despise people. Now I love people that I used to hate. Can you say that there's a point in your life where that God showed up? You see, because I have not seen before, but now eyes do see. God changes you from who you used to be to who he wants you to be. But can we say I'm already there? I ain't got no problems no more. Now I'm saved. It's all fixed, and I don't have, I don't have any issues. I don't have any battles. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any hard, hard issues anymore. I don't hate people anymore. I don't despise people anymore. You can't say that. Somebody spits in your face, you're going to get mad. You're going to have some anger issues. I was watching some videos on my phone this past week, and and, uh, it was like UFC. I watch all them boxing videos, UFC all the time, and and there's these two guys at UFC and in the street, and one of them spit in the other one's face. It's like, how nasty is that? And literally, it's just... That's repugnant to us, right? It's just like, ooh, why would you ever spit in somebody's face? But spiritually, how often do we do it? It's not a physical act we do, but spiritually, how often do we do the same kind of thing? So if our eyes are opened, God will let us see, don't act like that. Don't hate each other. Don't despise each other. Amen? Amen? Love one another. He even goes as far as, Jesus goes as far as to teach to love your enemy. To love those that, that hate you. Love those that despitefully use you. And it's crazy when you go to thinking about that, that there's people that hates me. Right? Everybody loves Pastor Ben. How could somebody hate Pastor Ben, really? There's people that do. They despise me. But guess what? I can't hate them back. If my eyes are opened, i got to love them even though they're hating me. Amen. That's the Christian thing to do. And Jesus is teaching us and Jesus is is calling us out today to say, I want you to act the way I want you to act, not the way you want to act. So. Vision, it takes vision to see. So Paul gets this total revelation of God, and, and he goes on through life. And it doesn't just, everything's not hunky-dory from that point of salvation. Paul has some battles. Paul has some conflicts. Paul gets in a fight with Peter one time about some issues going on. He, he differed in opinion with Peter. And they got into this squabble, and it made it all the way to the council, and they had to have a trial basically in the church. Read about it. It's in the book of Acts. It's pretty cool, amazing, really, that, that Christians don't get along. Come on somebody, (laughs) you mean Christians don't get along, yes, just saying, for brothers and sisters, Jill and Josiah, kind of like their dynamic, right? Sometimes, they don't ever fight, do they, Sean? They're just the perfect little children. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, Bubby, let me cook you a bowl of cereal. <laughs> You're yeah, right. <This> your cereal? <laughs> Leslie cooks mine. How do you cook the cereal? Well, you go and put it in a bowl, and you put milk on it, and you take it to the other person. See, when she cooks, and then she says it's my turn to cook, I go in and cook cereal. I put it in a bowl, pour milk on it, and take it to her. That's, I cook sandwiches, I, I do that. You can put meat on on bread and carrot it to her. That's cooking. It's I think it's cooking. But there's people in church and in churches and in Christianity that don't get along. They and I, I love hearing Greg talk about this at his shop, that sometimes, you know, people will come over to the shop and there will be five or six, seven guys sitting around over there telling war stories and, uh, and, and uh, old hunting stories and all this stuff. And, and all of them's got different backgrounds as far as denominations. There's Nazarenes over there. There's Catholics and people, church, he goes to the Assembly of God, Greg goes to the Assembly of God, there's Baptist people sitting there. And they, they all talk and they all get along. That's what church is supposed to look like. That's what Christianity is supposed to look like. And people from the outside ought to look and say, man, I can't believe that those people are getting along. They're from different churches. They're from different denominations. How can they sit there and have a civil conversation whenever they differ so much? You know why? Because they can see God. And I I tell people this all the time. That if you're having problems in your marriage or going through some issues or something, and Christians, if you're both Christians, if you both keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll never separate. You cannot separate if both of you are focused on Jesus. And if you chase Jesus, then you're both going to be going in the same direction. And God's going to have those mountains and valleys. Can I say that man Leslie's never fought? She gets on my nerves too. I feel like spitting in her face sometimes. Not really, but especially during hunting season, she loves me more than she. She's like, man, what a great husband. She wakes up in the morning on deer season, and just like I'm so glad God sent me Ben. He's he's so caring and compassionate and, and encouraging and right, Jason. Who just get this? I want us to pray today for our veterans and have a special moment of prayer because of it's hard to think about that that these people that have faced battle and, and you'll hear a lot of times at funerals or you go to a funeral of somebody that's uh, served in the military and they'll talk about how that, that person was so reserved and didn't tell a lot of stories about the battles that they fought and especially the ones that went through conflict and uh, was engaged in battle not just peace time and all that. And, uh, ones that really engaged in battle. And they won't talk about it a lot. And uh, they'll hold all that in. And they take it to the grave with them. And we want to know the story. But we got to understand that their eyes have saw things on this earth that humanity should never see. Because of a difference of opinion or a Difference of an ethnic group or a difference of who owns the oil well. The people's lives was taken. And I would ask you not to pressure them for those words. If they want to talk about it, let them talk about it. If they don't want to talk about it, don't pressure them. And one thing I want to encourage us as a church to do, people of Bethesda, is if you see some old guy sitting in a restaurant, maybe sitting by himself, and he has a hat on that says Veteran of Foreign Wars, or maybe he's got a hat on that says Vietnam Veteran or World War II Veteran or Korean War or uh, Iraqi Freedom and all these different things that they have wrote on their hats. If you see that hat, I want you to begin to walk up to them and reach out your hand and say thank you for your service. You don't have to pin them down and pressure them to to know every detail of all their service. If they open up, sit there and listen to their story. But if if no more than just saying thank you for your service, begin to do that. Because it's really something for them because a while back I know a young guy that did this. He said he walked up to this elderly gentleman, reached his hand out, shook his hand and said thank you for your service. And the old man said, that doesn't happen that often anymore. So our generation... I want us to become better in the ability to be able to overcome that To be, where we're, we're grateful, not just on Veterans Day and not just once a year that we honor people or the Bible says give honor to whom honors due." So I want you to begin to do that and practice and, and do that and cause your kids to do it and encourage your kids to do it because it needs to be, we need to be thankful for what they did because the freedom that we're setting in this morning to be able to peacefully assemble Right, the First Amendment that we've got, a right to peaceably assemble, that's what's happening this morning. We've got a freedom of religion. Why? Because people fought for that freedom that we've got. We need to be grateful for them. So I want you to begin to practice that and walk up to people that you don't even know and say thank you. But this morning I want us to pray specifically for them for them, because they internalize some of these things that they don't talk about and it causes them to have issues in the life they live there's these new things that they've come out with and I think a lot of generations has dealt with it in times past there was old timers that would call it shell shock before and all these different terms that they would throw up on these things but now they call it PTSD right post-traumatic stress disorder it's something they deal with I want us to pray for them so if you would please bow your head and let's just let's pray for our veterans this morning Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, we know that your ways are higher than our ways. And God, we don't always see things the way you see things. So, Father, I pray today that you would just open our eyes and be able to uh, have sympathy and have empathy for those that have seen things and the casualty of war upon this earth, God. Lord, for the heroes that walk among us and, and they, they sit down and they just humble people, God, and they, they don't proclaim the things that they've done and they're not proud of it. And God, sometimes they internalize it and as they do, they, they, they have the pain and the shame and the guilt of the things that they've went through and the things they have seen. And God, I pray today for our veterans of, in America, God, that you would just cause us to, to uh, have compassion upon them. And Lord, that we pray for them today, Lord, as they deal with these issues of PTSD and different things. And Lord, for those that, so many of them, uh, every day that are committing suicide, and God, that they can't deal with it anymore. God, I pray today that you would cause the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And God, that you would enlighten them, that you would cause them to hear your voice. And God, that You would deal with their heart and the Holy Spirit would come and be a comforter to them. And that they would have peace that passes all understanding. And God, that You would help us as Christians to love and cherish them more than we have before. In Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope and pray that you do that because they isolate and it's an issue I think that goes on in the church that we isolate ourselves and it's a part of kind of some of the things that goes wrong with the church when we begin to isolate and we begin to uh, put other people in camps and we begin to look at people in different ways it's a problem in our society I think it's even shown this past week in the election and the things that go on in our society, the freedom we've got to go vote and how that we hate people because they're in the opposite camp of us or maybe they're of the different party and affiliation than we are. And we, we grow this hatred and we're Christians. Can I tell you today that there can be Christians that are Democrats and there can be Christians that are Republicans. And people can be independent and be a, a, a Christian. And people can belong to the Libertarian Party and be a Christian. And we need to let these barriers that we put up and divide us be torn down. Why can't we just love God and love people and let people vote how they want and vote with their conscience and let God speak to them and not put our burdens on them? The more we divide ourselves, the more the enemy wins. Because when a church is divided, when a society is divided, when a culture is divided, there's no good comes from that. If you don't believe me, study history and find out every time that there was great division, what always ends up happening. We don't want to see that. So this isolationism is an issue in our church, not Bethesda. I really don't believe it is at Bethesda. I believe there's a lot of people here that love people that's different than us. I loved this morning that we had blacks there. We had whites there. We had old there. We had young there. We had middle-aged there. We had young families there. We have all these different people. And I wrote this down, and I'm proud of the age diversity that Bethesda has. You know, there's little babies there this morning. They was crying, and there's one little baby eating a cracker up front, standing there looking at me, and she walked back behind the seat and puked it out. I'm grateful for that. Some churches would have a conniption thinking, oh my goodness, how that mom let her baby puke in the floor? I'm glad there's babies there and babies puke. That's what they do. Amen. I'm glad for diversity. Amen. Ryan, don't puke on your mom, man. I ain't give... He leaned over there and he's like, get away from me, you puke head. Ain't you glad, though, that we're in a diverse church that we're in? Francis is a great great grandmother. There's great grandparents in the room. There's people in the room that's grandparents. Greg and Donna gets run down to Lexington every time they get a free chance and free minute that she's not on call and see some grandbabies down there and they're down there pooping their pants and puking in the floor and it smells awful and they want to go down there and see them for some reason. I don't understand that. We got young families that's got kids and Brandon Miranda, getting look at that little baby through that back window back there. Little Seth. Hey, buddy. Isn't that awesome? That we love God and love people. You know there's some churches that can't get along between generations. Do you know that? I've seen churches where the old people said, I don't want all these young people around. And I've been in churches where it was a bunch of young people said, I don't want them old fuddy duddies around. They're stuck in their ways. They don't forward-think enough. And I, I don't want to be around them. They're so set they're hard-hearted. and I'm glad we get along. This is awesome. And my eyes are enlightened to it of how diverse we really are. We need to continue that. So, when people come in, and maybe they are a different color than us, whenever the black guy comes in, we don't need to all look at him. I can't believe the black guy's here. What's he doing here? This is a white church, and it's not like that, right? It's crazy. I listened to a sermon this past week from a guy, and he was talking about that, that, that 95% of, of, of the body is made up of all internal organs and all this different stuff, and, and all of us are 95% the same, and maybe there's 1%, and he, he was talking about making fun of white people. He was a black preacher. I loved it. He's making fun of white people, and he said, it really astounds him. He's, he's like, any time he, he, he knew this white lady, and and. She was at, worked where he worked, and, and, and she started kind of liking this black guy. And, and she, he said, she, you know, she started going, and she started going to the Tampa so much that she tried to darken her skin so she would appear black so she could win over this black guy. And he's like, it's really weird. He said, all you white people, you all just sitting there like, oh, my goodness, why is he talking about black and white? He said, all you white people want to be black? And he said, all of you, he's got a little bit of black in you. He said, if you don't believe me, take a picture before summer. Go through the summer months. And then look at yourself in this fall. I don't get tanned. I turn red. So I must be part in then. Oh, I figure, right? Some of us, Amy's sitting there like me too, yeah, yeah. So... But we change. And he's like, he's like, and he said, and there's something about this that you all want to tan and, and, and you'll go get tanned. And he said, it takes you guys a long time to tan. He said, our, our tanning only took nine months and it lasts the rest of our life. He said, I was tanned in the womb. There's a whole lot of truth in that. And why would we be different when we're so much alike? And why do we segregate ourselves and why do we put a, each other in camps according to how we look or, or how we appear or what age we are, or what socioeconomic status we are? What does any of that matter whenever we just say love God, and love people, and we're all humans and let's get this vision and this clarity that we can get along with people outside of our camp? And the verse I want to use for that, for the anti-isolationism in the church, is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and it tells a story, so Leslie told me not to speak too long, so I'm not going to. I've got 13 minutes, so I'm not going to read all of it. Acts chapter 10, it's an awesome story. So there's this guy named Cornelius, and Cornelius is, is there, and he's praying, and it says it gives alms, and this is a, a Roman centurion, so he's living in Israel. It'd be like us today, that we've got military presence in Iraq, Right? We went over, we did war with Iraq, we won, we took their oil fields, left their houses in shambles and tore down all their scenic history mark, landmarks and all that stuff, and now we're over there and we're occupying, right? And we take up, and we set up these little camps, and, and this is a war-torn zone, and, and our soldiers are still over there, and as they go over there, it would be the, it the same kind of scenario as this is. So Rome had come into Israel and took over. They completely, savagely, uh, they pillaged Israel. And Rome, we know it right, to kill Jesus. And Rome is there and they're occupying his territory. And there's this centurion, his name is written here. Right? Cornelius. As, As he's in that camp and in town, it says he gives alms. And he gives to the poor. And I love videos like that. When our American soldiers are over there on that foreign soil, and they're in a camp, and they're in a different nation than our nation, but they're there representing us, that they'll go out. And I've, I've seen videos of how the, our military will get candy bars, and that's like a, something you don't get over there. Somebody's probably mailed it to them in a gift box. And these, these, these soldiers will take those candy bars out and give it to these little kids. That's this kind of guy that he wasn't a Christian. He was a Roman. He wasn't Jewish. He was Roman. And here Cornelius is praying. And he's giving alms. He's doing these things to God. And it says this, this come up before the presence of God. And an angel appears to him and tells him. There's this guy named Peter. And I need you to go get him. Because Peter's got something to say to you. But you've got to imagine that there's Peter sitting over here in Joppa. And whenever Peter's over in Joppa, he's praying and he only hangs out with Jewish people because he's only around people like himself. So it's, the Bible says that Cornelius sends a delegation to go get Peter because that's what the angel told him to do. Eyes not seen, nor is there heard, nor has it entered the heart of man that somebody other than a Jewish person can be saved. So, Peter's up on this roof and he's hungry, he says. And, like I'm hungry right now, my belly's been growling for the past 15 minutes. And, and, and he's up there and he, he's smelling this food cooking. And can you imagine this? It's kind of Thanksgiving season right now. Okay, you know what it's like. They're hungry and somebody's cooking and they're cooking up all this food. And you're hungry and you're there. And the Bible says he falls into a trance. Have you ever been so hungry that you fell into a trance? He fell into a trance because he was praying. He passes out, literally, and God comes to him in a vision. Can I tell you this? You're so hard-headed, sometimes God's got to knock you out to get your attention. Amen. Sure. Yeah. How many will pray, God, if that's what you want to do to me, do that to me? Amen? Yeah. If you've got to knock me out to cause me to see or cause me to hear or cause my heart to receive, then that's what I want you to do, God. So it says he's there praying and, and he falls in this trance and, and this, this, this sheet comes down out of heaven. And when it comes down, it says there's these creepy, crawly things. And these four-footed beasts and all this stuff. And, and whenever the sheet comes down and, and Peter looks at it, he sees and, and, and the voice in, of God tells him, says, eat. He's starving, his belly's growling, but he looks and he says, but the Old Testament says in Leviticus, I can't eat that. I'm a a Jewish person and I'm so devout in my faith, I'm I'm not going to break down any traditions. And God says, eat, because I'm calling it clean. What are you going to do when God gets up in your grill and says, what you've been thinking is not the right way? What if he wants to change your mind and your eyes haven't seen it before and your ears haven't heard it before and your heart hasn't received it before? What are you going to do with that? Peter says, I'm not eating it. And God says, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will, honey. Sit and wait, hide and watch. That's what I'm here to tell you today. Whenever God gets ready to reveal some things to you and you change your mind just a little bit to say, maybe, God, I'll let you do some things in my life that I wouldn't let you do before, and I'll open up my heart and I'll say, here I am, God, send me. He'll change you. So Peter sees this and his creepy crawly things. I can think of like lizards and snakes and maybe spiders and maybe cockroaches. And You know, just get you a big batch of cockroaches and go eat them and chew on them. And, you know, it's kind of like Fear Factor junk. It's Like, yuck, no way, I'm not doing it. That's what God is showing Peter. Because he's trying to teach him something. Sometimes when God tells you to do something you don't want to do, he's trying to teach you something. the very moment when this is happening there is people coming his direction that he don't like I'm sure Peter hates Roman guards he watched them murder his savior he watched them murder his best friend named Jesus I can't love them I can love Jewish people. I can't love no Roman. How hungry are you? How hungry are we? And God says, I'm telling you, if I call it clean, it's clean. And I'm telling you, there's some guys coming to see you, and when they come to see you, go with them. The Bible says that Peter comes out of this trance he walks down the steps to the front door. And Cornelius' guards are there. And they say, won't you come with us? You need to come back to Cornelius' house. People he don't even like. People he despises, actually. God saying, I'm telling you to go speak to him. But God, I don't want to. Isn't that us? Yeah. Whatever God says, go over there to that drug addict. You don't like drug addicts and it's pillaged and ravaged your family and you despise it and you hate it and you, you're, you're burdened with it and you're saying, I, I'm not going to get involved in that. And God's saying, I'm needing you to go talk to somebody. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So Peter goes with him. Peter gets over there. and Peter talks to him. And Cornelius says to him, says that when the angel appeared to me and told me that there's going to be somebody coming, he told me there would be a message for us. He's not a Christian yet. He don't know anything about Jesus or any of that that went on. So Peter stands up and begins to tell him about the story of Jesus. Read it. It's Acts chapter 10. It's an awesome story. And he stands up and he begins to preach. And he begins to tell him in the middle of this house that he don't even want to be in. And actually Jewish people got mad at him for going. Religious people didn't want him to go tell them because they were different. And Peter gets over and preaches to them. And it says they believed and the second that they believed, it says that the Holy Spirit come upon them. And they begin to speak in other tongues. And, and, and it amazed Peter even. He's like, I cannot believe that these kind of people, that God would save them. Wow. Wow. Do we pray for that kind of vision and clarity? We can't even say it. Do we really pray, God, go open their eyes? I know they're Muslim. I know know they hate you, God. And I, I know they love Allah. But God, will you just open their eyes? How much do we really pray when we send them? It's bigger than that, folks. And it says everybody in that house was saved. Because one guy went. And one guy did something he didn't want to do. What if God could send one. and An entire nation. Come to know Jesus. But at the same time. What if God sends us people. That we don't want. Because of this isolationism story. What if there's people with different color skin than us. That's coming across the border and they're coming north and they're picking our fields and they're cleaning the horse stalls and they're working in the restaurants that we like to go eat at we become so isolated that we believe they don't belong here they're not allowed here, I don't like them but what if what if it's God what if it's God sending them to us so they can be saved have we ever thought like that? Has our eyes ever been enlightened to that? Do we hear that with our, with our ears? There's a, there's a restaurant coming to Vanceburg. Is there any church in town that will love them regardless of their ethnic group? I hope I know one. I hope I know a church that will walk in there and say, we love you because God loves you. They're different than us, there's no doubt. There's difference in in, in us in this room today. Let's accept their difference and say, with God, all things is possible. And I'll tell you this one story before we end. I've got three minutes. Somewhere before 2003, I was just chasing God. And I, when I first got saved, you know what it's like when you first get saved. You're just on fire for God and love God, and you read, and, and Mom was amazed at how much I studied and how much I... I, I told you this morning at Beth- uh, Vansburg campus is how that, that there, it was just my whole house. I would not turn Christian TV off. I wouldn't allow the TV to be turned off. I wanted it to penetrate the walls, even in the house, that worship music would play. And I wanted to hear and know all these things. And I studied and, and dug in. And one time, the, there's a youth group coming. It was... At another, another church, a different church even. And they said, won't you go with us this event to Kansas City? And I was like, I'm 20-some years old. I'm not really into the youth group thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. They said, yeah, come on, go with us. And I went with them. And out in Kansas City, there was 10,000 teenagers at this conference. How would you like to have a youth group of 10,000 people? And they was worshiping. And they had to get to conference center in downtown Kansas City because a church there couldn't hold them. How awesome is that? And we was out there and, and they was praying for this great awakening and actually that church where the, that kind of hosts this thing the one thing conference every year, it's a church where that as they do this they, they have had praise and worship music playing since the 90's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It's never ended. From the day they started They have shifts and worship music like Leslie does here. They've done that 24 hours a day, seven days a week for decades. And they're praying for God to awaken our nation. How many of us pray, God, bring us back, make us Christian again as a nation, bring us back to our roots so America can be the great nation that we want it to be, that it's always been. We pray for that. And there was a guy standing on the platform, and he began to say that, he said, in prophecy, he said, I believe that sometimes God uses things that we don't even know. And he said, what if God sends Hispanic people, and he brings a revival to America through the Hispanic people? It's like, oh, we want a white revival, God. We want a bunch of old gray-haired men to have revival, God. What if God wants to do it a different way than us? And just two weekends ago, we had a young couple sitting on our platform at Vanceburg Campus during our, our missions conference, and it's a Hispanic young man sitting there with a wife and four kids talking about revival in Kentucky. Do you desire to see that, that God would awaken our county? That God would move and we would know his spirit's moving and we could see it and we can hear it and we can feel it. I desire that. And God does too. So he's asking you today. Don't isolate yourself. Don't segregate yourself into camps. Whether it's by what sex you are or by what race you are or by what any of that let's break the walls down and say let's love god and let's keep it simple and love people isn't that your prayer i hope it is is. have we ever considered that we can all learn from each other god can and will use whom he wishes His ways are not our ways. So won't you stand? Just bow your head and close your eyes. God, I pray for people in this room. Lord, that are hungry for you. Lord, that are hungry to know more of you. But even in that, God, there's people in this room, Lord, that we isolate ourselves. Lord, we segregate ourselves according to these different barriers that we put up to say who we like to be around and who we don't like to be around. God, I pray today that you would help us just as you helped Peter on that roof that day. God, that we as Bethesda could be inclusive. Lord, that we wouldn't use these terms that we use derogatory in nature towards others because they're different. Cleanse our heart from all unrighteousness, oh God. Let us see the world the way you see the world. Lord, let us hear your voice clearer than we ever have before. And God, plow up the stony hearts that we have and mold us into who you want us to be. Every eye closed, every heart, head bowed, I just want you to ask you, is there anybody here that say, Pastor, I'm ready to change. I want God to show me some things and I want to hear and I want to feel and I want to sense the move of God. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. You want to experience God. You want to know Him. You want Him to reveal Himself to you in ways that you thought impossible. Father, I thank you for these hands. And God, I pray that you would open their hearts wide open. And God, that you would speak today. And Lord, that you would open their eyes to see. And Their ears to hear what you're saying to the church today. Help us to be the church that you've intended for Bethesda to be. Go with us, God. Lead us and guide us in all truth and help us to win others to you. Because your son Jesus is worth it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.